Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Ambry podcast. Today, we are here with Cece Hart, who is an inspiration activator. Welcome, Cece. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. So great to be here. (laughs) I'm so happy that I get to talk to you again. We had so much fun in the pre-interview. Can you tell people a little bit about who you are? Because we're going to definitely get in depth during the interview. But what is an inspiration activator? (laughs) it's me not wanting to follow any rules or fit in any boxes. That's what it is. So I, I like to work with inspiration, all capacities, anything that inspires me. uh, I like to, you know, give back and share with others. And so I decided to call myself an inspiration activator because I look for the inspiration in other people. And then I try to coerce it out of them. And, you know, sometimes it's really stuck inside there. We don't actually know, what we're passionate about or what inspires us, what makes us happy, what lights us up. And so to me, that's a really fun part to try to, to find it and then get people feeling, like I said, activated. What was the defining moment for you? Like, how did you get started on this journey and really become who you wanted to be and what you do in the world? Well, you know, for me, this was kind of um, a health journey. So I, when I graduated university, I was not in, a, in very good health. In fact, I had a really bad health situation. And so I was quite literally at my breaking point, you know, uh, complete dust of a, a phoenix rising <laughs> and decided that I was going to turn my life around. And so in a a great, beautiful blessing, I actually found my partner who gave me a little bit of hope and he inspired me to look at diet as maybe a factor that was contributing negatively to my, my lifestyle and how I was feeling. And so with just that, that first step of changing what I was eating, it really catapulted this whole journey for me because once I started to feel better because what I was eating was fueling me instead of killing me from the inside it just spiraled into one thing to the next thing to the next thing and then eventually it got to the point where i had seen such benefit in my own life that i wanted to be able to share all that i had learned and all that i'd gone through in hopes that it might help at least one other person out there well you go on your website and it's filled with pictures of this beautiful wonderful food so what is <laughs> what is the diet that you're on what is the diet that you follow? So my diet is vegan or plant-based, gluten-free and refined sugar-free. So it's as organic as possible, as local and in season as possible. And basically my whole philosophy is as soon as you can eat it right out of the ground, the best that it is for you. And so I I mean, that sounds probably extreme to some people, especially people in North America that are like, whoa, that's intense. But it took me, you know, a a while to get there and, and I went there in stages. And so with every step, I just realized what worked and what made my life better, what made my health more activated. And then I just, you know, continued on this never-ending research <laughs> research project where I just want to find the optimal way for myself. And so that, that's what it is for me that I've found. And speaking of local and North America, where are you located? Tell people where you're located right now. 
<laughs> so right now I'm in Bali, Indonesia, which is, you know, quite a different time zone. We were just joking about that before we press record is that it's uh, 10 o'clock at night here for me, which is normal. Um, and so a lot of people bring up to me the, the fact that I live in a tropical climate, that there is food resources that are, you know, really beneficial and that I'm extremely fortunate to have access to them, of course. Um, what I say to that is, you know, I'm so grateful, but everybody has their own region and it's just kind of finding what grows in your area and when you can get it and trying to, you know, there's so many people call them weeds and, and things that are growing naturally in, you know, your backyard or the forest that we don't know that we can eat, that we can eat. And so I'm all about foraging and really connecting to the food sources that we've forgotten about because there's just kind of these big produced items that are out there in the grocery store that, you know, like the tomatoes and the cucumbers and apples and what have you. But what about all that really cool stuff that we can eat that could really fuel our body that's forgotten about, that's medicinal out there in nature just growing. And so I really like to encourage people to, you know, find out about that, what's growing locally in your region that you might not even know about. And that is a foreign concept because when you talk about backyard and forest and foraging, I live in LA. <laughs> There's nowhere to forage. I've got some plants in the back. Pretty sure I can't eat them. Um, but what I do have to rely on is the supermarket um, and farmer's markets. We do have farmer's markets, but we don't really necessarily, unless we grow our own, because you absolutely can start your own and grow your own. But I can't grow anything. It all dies. Nothing. Oh, I don't, don't have a green thumb. Not <laughs> Not a one. Not a one. Do you grow your own food? Yeah. And so I just take seeds from other food that I have gotten and then I sprout it and then I grow it. And you know what? That's really important to note is that a lot of people don't sprout their seeds. If you sprout it and you keep it in a damp paper towel or something like that, and then you see the little sprouts come out of it, that's, you know, your seed coming to life. A lot of, if you just throw the seed in the ground, sometimes it will work. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but you have a better chance whenever you seed it first. So that's, that's very helpful. And I was in San Francisco um, about what, five or six years ago. And I took a gardening course there and they taught me so many things. Like you go around in the San Francisco uh, gardens, the public gardens and teaching you that you could eat this flower and eat this, it looks like a weed. And it was really really eye-opening. So I know it might seem like there there's not things to eat. And I'm not saying that you should go walking down the streets of LA picking the stuff off the side. But I have seen people do it. There's documentaries on it where they're, they're out there and they're finding all kinds of things. So I, I don't know. I just think that the world is a playground of food and lots of things that are growing that could benefit us if we just knew about them. It, you haven't always had this mind set because you had to have this journey of health that you had to break through and and go through what and this is a hard question you don't have I mean we can skip over it if you'd like um but what was that lowest point like for you oh I am you know I'm totally about sharing it because I think that that's the the gripping story that people relate to so for me uh, in a nutshell, I was working bar shifts. So I was working till four or five in the morning. So actually I would wake up 
go to my one job, which was bartending at a fancy restaurant from about 10 in the morning until about nine or 10 at night and then switch and go to a club until about four in the morning. So I was awake all the time and that was so much caffeine <laughs> to stay awake. It was ridiculous. And I drank a lot of alcohol as you do when you're behind a bar. And I mean, authorities don't come down on me, you know, <laughs> but it, it, it happens. It's part of the job. And then I would eat fast food, whatever was available at the end of the night. And so with just those factors, if that was it, that's really unhealthy and unsustainable. And so over time, my body just started to really give out. And it got to the point where I had extreme pain, agonizing pain in um, my lower stomach, which turned out to be ovarian cysts. And then I actually got a diagnosis of endometriosis too. And so these are uh, female related issues that I realize now are a lot to do with lifestyle habits. And so all of these lifestyle choices that I was making led to the point where I had no energy anymore. I had extreme bags under my eyes. Um, my hair was falling out. I couldn't keep any relationships. Um, I, you know, family, friends, everybody was just falling apart from me because I was so tired and just miserable that I was kind of this walking zombie. And I remember it got to the point where I was completely alone and lying on the floor. Uh, my dog had peed on the floor because I was just so tired to take him out and I'm lying there and I just, that was my complete rock bottom moment where um, I was about to give up and you know, when it, talking about mental illness there, you know, this extreme anxiety, extreme depression because you shouldn't be living your life like that at that young of an age and just so devastated that I was about to give up and something happened inside of me and I just had this snap and I got up and I just said no more and I'm going to change everything from this point on. And the very, the very next day, it was a whole different ball game. I took some time off work. I told them I was retiring <laughs> um, and started going for, you know, big runs in parks. And I threw out all of the, the bad food in my, my house that was, already open and I took everything that wasn't open to the food bank and I restocked with, you know, healthy food that I had decided was going to help me. And it was just this huge moment of if you don't change your life now, you're that you're just going to to die because you can't you, your body can't sustain that kind of abuse. Right. Right. But when you're when you hit that point. I mean, relationships are hurting. You're barely going. You're too exhausted to even take um, your your dog on a walk. And then and then you're going for runs. What was those first steps out? How long would you say from the from the moment that you decided enough's enough, we're changing and you started changing your eating habits, that mind shift followed? How long? Well, that that serious strike of action was super immediate because it needed to be because i mean i don't know if i've painted that story dark enough but it was it was really you know give up or get it together and so i just remember getting up and putting on my workout clothes and just going 
took the dog on his leash and just went outside. And like, that was the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I did that in that action moment, you know, it, I guess it propelled my mind to decide that this is what we're doing, but to really get it together um, and turn things around from that point, it was an ongoing process where there was different stages of evolution. So that, I mean, that seems like a, a stark contrast from, you know, not being able to move at all to now we're going for a run. Mind you, I was like half dying running because I was out of shape, but still out there doing it um, to, to different levels as I could. So as I got more energy because I was now eating better because I was now working out because I was now well, sitting in a park in the sunshine, getting sun and reading a book about positive psychology and doing the exercises. So that really actually activated it a lot faster. But if I'm trying to put like a timeline, I would say the first month was the most fundamental part. The first month. Yeah. And what are some of the emotions and journeys that you went through in the first month? Because I feel like when, at least for me, when I try to do a live... I've tried to do clean eating. I don't, I can't even tell you how many times. And it is, it's within that first month that it stops. And it's an old habit that you have to break, but even more so, it's a habit that you have to break, that you must break. Because like you said, your body can't sustain that. What advice would you give to people? Like what what inspiration activation would you want people to, to, to take? to get them through those first 30 days? If you are doing just steps that are easy and convenient, it makes it a lot more sticky. So these these things will be easier to implement. So for me, I have to take my dog for a walk anyway, you know, well, I don't have to, but you should. (laughs) So pair that that thing that I already was going to do anyway with something that might be more beneficial for me. So in that case, anyway, just going out for that walk would be good. But if you make it into a run, well, that's just pushing yourself to an, an extra stage. And so I, I think it's really important to make the changes doable. So they say it's like 21, 22 days, roughly three weeks to change a habit if you're implementing a strategy that you're doing every day and trying to keep it you know really stable and if you have different techniques for example if you have a calendar and you put an x or a check each day you do something these are motivators for us to keep on doing them so that's the kind of thing i would do so i would say okay i've gone for a run and i would make it i'd gamify it so this run in uh, yesterday I went this far and this is my route route and it took me this much time and then tomorrow I'm going to try to break that so if you do different challenges like that if you know if it's fun to you if, it, if you make it fun to you it'll be easier and so for diet that's why you know I focus you mentioned before about my website I focus so much on food being fun and delicious so that it's easier for you to actually adopt. If it's not easy for you to make the recipe, or if you don't have those ingredients, or if it doesn't taste good to you, you're just gonna give up. And that's what we want to avoid. We, we want to make it as easy, seamless, convenient, and even cheap as possible. The more positive identifiers we have with it, 
the better likelihood of making it stick. So everything I did was in alignment with that. It wasn't so hard that I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. If Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And I like the way that you explain it. Do you think, what do you think some of, why do we have some of us, not all of us, but um, why do you think some people have a negative connection with healthy lifestyle or clean eating or exercising? That it's not, it doesn't immediately pull up words like fun and adventurous and. I know what you mean. Um, I have that same thing with the word salad. Why I think that it is is because we have been programmed to think otherwise. I mean, if working out was fun, then when people, okay, if you if you change the word working out to sports, sports are fun for a lot of people. People like sports, but you're exercising your body. You're moving your body. You're building your muscle. You're increasing your heart rate. That's could be the same thing as working out, but then suddenly if you put somebody in on a, a treadmill, uh, that might not be so fun anymore, you know? Um, so, so much of the health world got umbrellaed into this unfun and it got the fun taken away from it. And so for me, working out might be dancing. It might be going for a run on the beach or going swimming. It has to be something fun. Otherwise, you, you won't do it. So I, I mean, I'm just trying to like figure out how to put this because I feel passionate about this right now. It really breaks my heart that all of the things that could be done that are good for us got this bad name. I mean, if you watch children's television, they are always going off about how spinach and broccoli is gross. But that's some of the best stuff that you could put into your body. So I know there's a lot of... Um, political situations where there's been subsidations for different um, foods and different activities. <laughs> so it, there's a lot of that, but it, it's cultural programming. So if we look at it from a different lens and, you know, we say, oh, this healthy food looks so fun to make. I mean, do you know how fun it is to make tacos when you're you know, you're having like a, a big fiesta with a lot of friends and you have all the different bowls of different things. Well, they could be healthy for you. You could still make them and it could still be fun, but just making things fun, just putting fun back into things. Cause I think that they try to make us adults <laughs> and they take away all of our fun and that's great and all, but then if we're not having any fun, then we don't want to do it. And that's exactly what you just said is fun is taken out of health, so we don't want to do it. And so I want to put the fun back in and say, it's okay to play with your food. It's okay to go run around and play instead of, you know, going to the gym and just lifting weights or whatever. It's okay to dance, you know, in your underwear if that's what you want to do to get your heart rate up. Just as long as you're having fun, then you're going to want to do it. Right. And you're going to be happier. And happy leads to more healthier and, you know, conscientious choices for ourselves because you're in a you're in a happy place and you want to continue to be happy I have to know what's your favorite recipe oh you're gonna do that to me mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, so it can hard. be just for today if you want my favorite recipe for today if you want well 
You know, my favorite food to make is pizzas because they are there's so many elements to them. So I make the crust gluten-free, first of all, which is always a different experience every time. So in Bali, I have cassava flour. And so I use that because it's a bit sticky, but um, in, the, in the States, I would probably use tapioca starch um, or arrowroot powder because you, you need something that's gonna stick it together. And then I make my own cheese with nuts. Um, I soak the nuts overnight, I ferment them, and then I make them into all kinds of different cheeses. So for me, making a pizza is like this whole ordeal, which is really fun to me. And so I I don't know if that's a recipe, more of a, a category, but that's that's the most fun. Or, or pad thai. I love making pad thai from from scratch too, because I was actually the first thing that I ever perfected uh, as a plant-based gluten-free meal. Nice. What's the easiest recipe? So if someone was, you know, very interested and wanted to get started on this, where would you have them begin? Oh, okay. Well, you know what? One of the easiest, most uh, popular recipes that I have is um, brownies made from sweet potato. Um, yeah, sweet potatoes. So you, all you have to do is boil your sweet potato. Well, you peel them, boil them, and then you just blend them with cacao powder and a sweetener. And that is it. And then you just, you know, you can put some chia seeds or flax seeds in them as an egg replacer. And then you just bake them just like a normal um, a normal brownie and they're so good if you want to go crazy um, and you are not omitting oil or you know fats from your diet you can throw in some coconut oil in there and then they'll be really moist and like luscious so that's a really easy recipe and it, it takes no time at all the, the most time is that it's with brownies well yeah I mean you're like yeah here's dessert <laughs> Can dessert you, first, Jacqueline. Come on. Dessert first. Oh my goodness. I need that. I'm going to have the recipe. Okay. So I'm going to have you give me the recipe again once we stop recording and I'll have the recipe in the show notes, the brownie I, recipe. I can give you a PDF for it for sure. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um. Wow. I love that you started with brownies. So <laughs> for those that might be looking at adopting a healthier lifestyle that whether you absolutely are at the point where if you don't make a change today, much similar to CC's story, or if you're looking that you just want to feel better every day, you heard it straight from CC first, dance in your underwear and eat brownies. Yeah, that's what I do. And I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been on this journey? How long have you been building this lifestyle for you? Uh, it has been about almost seven years now. So seven years since I was like my breaking point to now. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's been not so much with my diet. My diet, once I got it, you know, pretty down pat, I've been really particular about it because I know that that is what I need. But it, in other lifestyle choices, it's kind of you know, we're all human and I flux and I flow into different um, different ways and behavior because I, I travel a lot. And so I'm not very um, stuck in a routine. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so 
I, I can't say, I guess we'll say, we'll say about six and a half years, seven years, something like that. Six and a half, seven years. Yeah. And when you first began, you, did you have a couple of missteps? Did you accidentally eat the wrong thing? Did you, did you think about giving up? Yes, for sure. You know, what was the worst is that at that time, nobody really understood my dietary side of things. And even my doctor who I, I had been going to from, you know, for all of those previous problems I mentioned, when I told her that I had begun this journey of diet, she was not at all in favor of it. And she thought it was completely crazy. Really? Yeah. There, because doctors don't actually have that much uh, nutritional background. They don't actually learn that much about nutrition, which they a lot of them will admit. And so she, to her, she thought, just take another pill or go get a surgery. Actually, they had me, uh, they had me, I don't even know what the word is, I guess, scheduled, scheduled for a surgery coming the next year. And I never had to get that surgery because I cured myself with my diet and my lifestyle changes, by the way. But they had me convinced that I needed to be operated on, which was terrifying because I, at the time, I think I was like 22 years old. So terrifying. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little taken aback. So you go into your doctor and you say, hey, I'm going to cut out refined sugars, processed foods, and gluten. And she was like, no, no, no. That's unnecessary. She said that, you know, there's pills for, for that and that I wasn't gluten intolerant, so it wasn't necessary. But mm -hmm. I thought at that point I had already taken gluten out. And so I felt all this vibrance and I was, you know, coming in without so much pain and suffering. And so at that point I just thought, you know what, it's okay. You know, to be fair and just to make sure that I say this, doctors can't know everything. It's in, like, it, we have so many problems happen in our bodies. They can't know everything. And so I think that she, she just didn't know and she was just doing the best that she could. So, you know, that was really disheartening because you, we have, even if we don't realize it, we have such a really deep trust for doctors as being an authority. And so when they tell you that you're doing something wrong, even if you really believe that you're right, it can still kind of, you know, trigger in your mind. Right. So, so I did have some setbacks from that point. And to be honest with you, she told me not to eat any broccoli or um, cauliflower. So I, I wouldn't eat broccoli or cauliflower forever because I was afraid that it was going to hurt my stomach. Mm. So, so I did have some, some setbacks at the beginning with gluten because, um, pizza was my favorite food in the world. <laughs> and so I kept thinking all kinds of different excuses. You know, I could just have it without cheese or I could just have a veggie pizza or whatever I decided. But what would happen is that when, when you remove something from your body that, that you have been used to for so long, when you remove it and you notice your benefits, when you put it back in, it's going to respond and you're going to notice. So you didn't know that you might have been reactive to it because that was your normal. So right. then, yeah, so, th so this is what I work with people. I'll take it out, put it back in, and then you'll see. So when I put it back in, it's immediate horrible response. And so my mom and I were in Belize, and she, we, she took me out, and she took me to this beach bar, and all they had was, you know, pizza that was already made. And she's like, 
well, this is all we have for lunch and I don't want you not to eat. So just grab a piece of pizza and you'll be fine. And honestly, I wasn't feeling very well. I was really tired and really hungry. So I, I said, okay, she'll be fine. No, not fine. And I remember at that moment, she said to me, okay, this is a real thing. Like I was just keeling over like, oh, it hurts so bad um, a little, little while after. And so I remember she said, okay, I'm going to support you. 100%. And that wasn't the only situation like that. So, you know, it's important for me to say this to anybody listening, any transitionary path that you're on, it's okay if you have setbacks. If you punish yourself for that, then you won't keep going. But it's okay to know that you're learning, you're trying something new, you're doing your best. And as long as you're just doing your best, then that's that's really all you can do. We're just humans. We make mistakes. And as long as we learn from those mistakes, then, you know, we're still doing something good for us. So, you know, you, you can't strive for perfection. You just have to strive for the best that you can do today. And that changes all the time. And I like that you, I like the way that you uh, described, you know, the interaction with you know, doctors in the medical profession, because they can't know everything. They absolutely cannot know everything. And they see you amongst 20 patients a day. But if you couple that with this is how my body's feeling, this is what I know, because no one knows our body better than than ourselves. So it's a balancing act, would you say that you have to listen to your body, listen to guidance, advice, I think that the best thing that you can do is listen to your body. And if, I mean, I know we're not all, you know, fluent in our body's language, but as we start to learn, as we start to be able to discern what's happening and the different messages that it's sending us, then it's your best friend. Because it tells you, you know, if your skin flares up, that's a sign that something's wrong in your body. If your hair starts to fall out, same thing. All these weird things, this pain, this inflammation, all of these things are the body saying there's something wrong. And so you're not expected to know exactly what that is, but paying attention and not just grabbing, you know, um, a pill from the cabinet to subdue that because that's just saying, hey, body, like, I, I don't care about you telling me something's wrong. I just want it to stop. And that's terrifying because the body will stop sending you those messages over time. And that's why we get so used to just being in this normal when it's not, it shouldn't be normal. And that's why you see when you make these changes how your new normal is. Right. So, so really, yeah, really listen to the body. You know, I really, really, like, really, really, really want to <laughs> hone that in there. Um, would you recommend, or do you recommend, let me rephrase that because I don't <laughs> want it to sound, I don't want it to sound like you are recommending if you don't, but, um, like a lot of people feel like, okay, I'm going to start this new healthy eating. So I have to cleanse. I have to fully detox for three days or five days or seven days. There's so many things on the market and there's actually, um, so many differing, beliefs on that. What say you on cleanses <laughs> and detoxes? Oh, say me. Well, you know what? I'm a big fan of cleanses and detoxes. And I'm going to explain that because when I first started to enter into this, I was so extremely against them. 
because I didn't understand them. And I thought that they were dangerous. I didn't think they were necessary. I thought that they were annoying and, you know, it's not fun. <laughs> so all of the reasons why I really didn't want to do them. And I kept coming uh, up front with detoxing my body because you still have stored, no matter how healthy you think that you are, you still have stored stuff from the past in your cellular levels and your tissues and your blood. And so that needs to come out. And so finally, I just dove into a massive research project trying to figure out, you know, how to do that safely. Because what you said, there's so many products on the market. There's so many different programs out there. How do you know what's right for you? Now, this is, you know, I, I want to put a disclaimer. I'm not <laughs> a doctor. This is just from my research, what I found that works best for me is fasting. And you can do that intermittent fasting, which is for a certain amount of time every day, you are not eating in a certain window. And that gives your body a lot of time to process out the junk because it's not spending all of its resources and energy digesting the food that you would normally be eating. So I found huge benefits with that. And then there is water fasting that I do regularly about um, once a month. So for at least three days, I will just do a water fast. And the reason why is because no matter how clean your living situation is and your eating habits are, you are accumulating a lot of toxins and chemicals from you know, the environment, your living situation, chemicals and your products that you're using like there's all these different things that are coming into your body that you know, that your body can process out but it's a lot i mean this is not a natural system anymore we're not living just out in the woods with no weird chemistry degrees coming into play so right our our body's under a lot of stress so i you know i really think that even juice fasting. So that's when you just have juice for a period of time, just so you're getting the nutrients in without your body having to chew and, and then go in and digest and take all that energy. So there's a lot of different stuff that you can do. There's a lot of different supplements out there, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe that our body has a lot of capacity to deal with what it needs to. Supplements and vitamins and herbs can really help with that if you know what you're doing. But you know, your liver, especially your kidneys, a lot of your organs could really use a little flesh out. So it could be really helpful to to dig into a fast, a detox or a cleanse. Awesome. And um, I had a thought because sometimes I do do this and fasting or intermittent fasting is not, um, excuse me. Aww. Yeah. Fasting, intermittent fast, intermittent fasting is not um, just not eating all day and drinking coffee. <laughs> so just because you haven't eaten all day does not mean that you're because that's exactly where my mind went when you were like, oh, well, you don't eat during a certain amount of time. I'm like, oh, well, I do that. No, I don't because I'm not doing it health healthily at all because I'm putting sugars and caffeine in my body to replace that. Mm, yeah. And see, if you're putting anything like that in, then it kind of still is activating the body to, to work. So, and caffeine is really hard because when you're doing cleanses, you're supposed to avoid caffeine entirely. So, you know, cause it's, it's going to jumpstart your system. 
So, you know, it's, it's definitely everybody take their, their own steps with that. And if you don't know what you're doing, you know, it's really important to research or have somebody kind of watching over you or, you know, a medical professional that's giving you advice because when you enter into a detox state, so, you know, I'll just be really raw with anybody listening here because I drank a lot of alcohol when I was bartending in that time of my life. And I have to detox that out of my liver and my tissues. And so when I do detoxes, it still comes up and it can be really intense where you, you know, if you don't know a lot about detoxing, you could think you're dying. I remember the very first time I ever did my first detox, I really, really genuinely thought I was dying and I was terrified because it was so severe, the symptoms. And so we have a lot of toxins accumulated in our bodies. And so it can feel really intense. And that's when people think that they, it gets a little bit of a bad rap because of that, because you have that severeness. Even when you're switching your diet, you can still have this detox happen. So, you know, knowing these symptoms, knowing how to handle them, water is always, you know, the key to life. It's like the solution to pollution is dilution. Remember that one? Always lots of water with detox. And so, you know, it just, Make sure that if you are going to do this, you do it in a really safe setting so that you don't harm yourself. Right. And and educate yourself and mm -hmm. learn from others. I mean, maybe if you are going to the doctor monthly or quarterly and you're not getting any results, right, that chances are you have a general practitioner. We all have our general practitioners, our internal medicine person that we go to that can treat the cold and refer us, go get a nutritionist, go get a specialist, go to a holistic practitioner. Would you, would you agree with that? Or I think that it's a totally different lens and they specialize um, in a, a different perspective. So if you, you know, if you break your leg, GP is really good. If you are having internal issues that are not going away and it's consistent, Sometimes looking in a more holistic approach can give you an offering and a solution that's going to help you long term. I mean, just remember that for me, I went to the doctor, you know, twice a week. I was in the hospital more than once a month. It was severe. I had a, a whole drawer full of prescription pills and none of that worked. And I think that our, you know, our science and our medicine is fantastic for a lot of things. But when and issues plaguing you long term, I, I just think that there's other opportunities that can really help. And so, f you know, for me, it ended up being my diet and some herbs and some plants and, you know, real stuff that you can just <laughs> grab right out of the ground. And that was able to eliminate my pain and suffering and put me into a whole different lifestyle. So, yes, I would, you know, look in your area to see what other solutions there are, you know, acupuncture is, it's quite popular now. That's phenomenal. And it can really help you with so many, like a various or a variety of different illnesses and, and mm -hmm. problems that you might have. So, you know, just, just check and see what's available to you and definitely question because it doesn't hurt to ask and it doesn't hurt to try something that's natural, you know, over maybe a medication that might have some side effects. Absolutely. I know my holistic practitioner works in tandem with my Western 
doctor. So, um, in, in, yeah, I, the, the whole idea is that we feel better about, about how just feel better, be healthier. Yeah. Well, we have definitely gone over time. Um, is there any final advice thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners? You know, I just want everyone to know that sick is not normal. I think that it's a huge problem that we're facing where we think that being too tired when we come home or unable to think with brain fog or emotional outbursts, we think that that's normal and we won't know that it's not normal until we have a new normal as a baseline. So just, you know, I am not discounting anybody that's going through anything traumatic or any diseases or illnesses that you're facing because I, you know, I was there myself and felt, you know, very, very affected by that. But I just want you to know that there is hope and there's other solutions that might not have been so out there in the open. And I just really want you to know that there, there is that and that I'm living proof of it. And I've seen so many people go through this and be changed by our, you know, our diet for one, because food is literally medicine and we don't eat very good food. So I guess the last thing that I'll say is that if you had a really amazing sports car that you spent tons of money on, you would never drive that sports car into like a fast food restaurant and say, okay, fill me up. You never, you would never do that. You would take care of that and put the proper you know, special premium gas in there to me, and you would make sure it had regular checkups and you would take care of that. So if you would take care of that sports car or, you know, luxury mansion, if you would take care of these material items, make sure you take care of your body and your mind and even your soul as well, because, you know, you don't, you don't want it to die out without having your full run. <laughs> well said. Well said. And all the links to find CC um, are in the show notes and in the description. So go check her out. And once again, I just want to thank you for joining me. And I hope you have a great evening in <laughs> Bali. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. I know it's just morning for you. So. Thank you to all the sponsors of the Embry podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep bringing you shows week after week. Special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. You ladies are amazing and your support means the world to me. If you'd like to be a live audience member, you can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash Anbry. You'll get to see and hear all of the interviews before they hit the airwaves, get access to Q&A and bonus content from and with our guests. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.